Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Marcus Martinez of Kettlebell Kings. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a little recap of the week that was. It does not feel like it's only been seven days since I recorded my last show intro, but man, there has been a lot going on. So, as I probably alluded to last week, both kiddos were coming off a little bit of an illness, fully expected myself to get sick last week, especially since I was traveling across country. Somehow, some way, must have been an act of divine intervention, but I did not get sick, at least not then. You can tell I'm starting to come down with something now, but you know, last week we do the Great Wolf Lodge thing, come home, I pack that night, literally Tuesday at 6.15 a.m. I'm on a flight with my guy, Joey Burton, and we headed out to San Francisco to see our guy, Glenn Robinson. So awesome, awesome time out there. We got to hang out with Glenn, just kind of give you a quick, like kind of day-to-day Tuesday, got in, hung out for a little bit, got to spend some time with Glenn, kind of had like a late lunch with him. Joey and I hung out for a little bit and then went and had dinner with another athlete that both Joey and I have worked with over the years, George Yang. Awesome guy, plays for the Utah Jazz, and uh, man, just a silent assassin when it comes to threes. I think he's currently six in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage at 44-some percent. So the guy's killing it, uh, and just one of the most awesome human beings I've ever met. Like, anybody that has met George remembers George. He's just got that vibrant, outgoing personality. So it was great to catch up with him. Wednesday, trying to think, we snuck a workout in. We had a video review with Glenn. You know, Joey was going through stuff that he wanted to see him you know, work on for the next game. So that was really cool to sit there and watch them kind of debrief and work through that together. Got to see my boy, Tony Giuliano. So Tony worked at IFAST both as an intern and as an employee a couple years back, went on, took a job with Google through Exos. So very excited to catch up with him, gave us a quick tour of the uh, downtown San Francisco Google office. So awesome to see our guys thriving uh, outside of the IFAST walls and you know it always stings if I'm being you know honest here and being transparent it always stings when people leave you know and it's not that you take it personal but you know there's like a transition period and there's a loss you know because I mean we're family we're not you know some hundred thousand employee business we're in a small business of you know six to ten employees so you know it's it sucked for a little while when Tony left because he's such a great guy so much energy but Great to see him just killing it, doing his thing with Google, and very, very happy for him. Came back, chilled for a little bit Wednesday night, got to go catch uh, the Warriors game. Unfortunately, uh, the team is not super good this year. If you follow the NBA, the most recent strength uh, ratings are like best to worst ratings had the, the Warriors at like 29th out of 30th. So it is what it is when you lose three of probably the top 10 players in the NBA due to injury or free agency, you're probably not going to be great the ensuing year, but it was great to see Glenn play live. He's having a career year. So really, really fun time there. Got to go out to dinner. Uh, saw, saw George for a couple minutes after the game too. Met a couple guys uh, that I haven't met, but I've had mutual connections with. So just a really awesome time there. Thursday, kind of hung out again with Joey. We uh, did some some planning for the All-Star break. We're going to have some guys in. Also did some planning for the upcoming offseason because, I mean, we're in January, but we could have guys starting as soon as, as April for pre-draft type stuff. So already putting pen to paper there, trying to figure out what we want to do with each guy, 
kind of our off-season focus for the athletes that we know we're going to have in-house. So that was fun because I just really enjoy that brainstorming and trying to get in his brain, get a better understanding of what he wants to create on the court so that I can go in the gym and hopefully create the kind of athlete physically that's going to allow him to express what he's trying to do with the skill side of things. So good times Thursday. I'm trying to think what else we did. Oh, saw my boy Josh Bonatal. Been on the show quite a while now. I think it was actually still when he was with Purdue. Um, but he works in San Francisco now for a company called Future. Very, very good catching up with him. He's killing the game. And, you know, I think we did dinner Thursday with Glenn. And then Friday, hung out for a little bit, flew home. It was such a whirlwind trip because, you know, you go from east to west, and that's not too bad. But when you flip it and you go west to east, it's really hard. It's really hard to get back on schedule. So for me, come back. I think we, uh, my plane left at 3.30. I got back at 10.30, 11, got back home at 12, you know, trying to fall asleep because the next day I had a two-day workshop at IFAST where, you know, we had, we're supposed to have six. Uh, <laughs> one gentleman did not come in, but we had five awesome coaches there ready to work, ready to get better. And we just broke down lifts for two days straight. We, you know, talked about squatting. We talked about hinging. We talked about split stance and single leg and, you know, all the upper body lifts. And the reason that I did that is when you watch Complete Coach, and if you haven't seen it, shameless plug, you need to check it out. Relaunches March of 2020. But one of the issues is that I can coach a lift and I can tell you, these are the things I'm looking for. This is the cue or these are the cues that I use. And that's all fine and dandy. The problem is when you're just watching another coach execute it, you're like, oh yeah, that's how it's supposed to look. But it doesn't always give you insight as to, well, what if they can't do it like that? Or what if their body shape is different? Like, how do you change your cues? Um, What changes about how you set them up? There's like a lot of nuance that you can't get when you're just coaching one person. So that was the goal with this. It's like, hey, let's go in. Let's look at five, six, seven different body types and look at how everybody does a push-up and see, okay, what do we need to change? What looks good? What doesn't look good? What variation is going to work best? Say if you're choosing a squat, you know, what's going to help you dictate if you're going to use a plate squat, a goblet squat, a two kettlebell front squat? Are you going to keep the heels level? Are you going to raise the heels? So I think it's a really valuable experience, not something I'm going to do every weekend because I obviously greatly value my time with my family and my weekends are very important to me. But, you know, a couple times a year, I think this is something that I'm going to do. And it's also something that I just so happen to record the entire thing. So if you have purchased the Complete Coach Certification, that will be up when I relaunch it in March. So if you're already in, awesome, you're going to get some sweet add-on materials. And if you're not already in, you better get on that insiders list now, completecoachcertification.com. Again, we're going to relaunch first week in March. And if you want to save yourself 200 bucks on the standard price, get on the, the uh, insiders list ASAP. So before we jump into this week's show, on a little bit more somber note, I don't really know 100% where I'm going to go with this, but I feel it would be remiss if I didn't at least mention the passing of Kobe Bryant. Just shocked to to hear that news the other day when it came across uh, the ticker. Very strange because I just remember watching him uh, as, a, as a teenager, right? We are roughly the same age. You know, we were both born in 1978. 
So I just remember watching him and thinking, oh my gosh, this kid is 18 years old. He's my age playing in the NBA. And watching him go throughout his career and watching the early struggles and trying to figure out his path and then watching him, you know, legitimately win three NBA championships in a row. I remember, you know, those those kind of dynasty years with him and Shaq. I remember the year when they traded Shaq and Kobe just went scorched earth and I think he averaged like 36 a game. I remember him dropping 81. It's just, you know, you remember all of these moments and you remember the amazing competitor that he was. You remember the tireless work ethic. I'm just reminded of a story uh, about Kobe. I think it was probably from the 2012 Olympics. Kobe was kind of the old guard at that point in time, and LeBron is, you know, really kind of coming into his own. He wants to put his stamp on things, that he's the man, he's the elder statesman there. This is not a knock on LeBron, but I think it's an instructive story. So LeBron basically puts in his mind, like, I'm going to Man, I'm going in the gym at 6 a.m., the whole Olympic team's together. I'm going to be in there at 6. I'm going to get my workout in first so everybody knows, like, I'm serious and I got that work. And so, you know, LeBron gets to the gym, and uh, as he starts to, you know, lace the shoes up and get on the court, Kobe's like, hey, what's up, man? Full lather, walking out of the gym. He'd already got that work. He'd already paid his dues for the day. And I think, you know, beyond the competitiveness beyond the the sheer raw talent that he possessed, the work ethic that he had was close to incomparable. I don't think anybody could ever say Kobe didn't work hard enough to earn everything that he got on the court. So sad to hear of his passing. Condolences to his wife, his family. I mean, it's just awful to imagine that. But, you know, hopefully he has inspired an entire generation to not only be you know, great basketball players, but hopefully great fathers, great husbands. And so, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. So take a quick minute, little uh, intro or a little bit of a transition here, and then we're going to jump into this awesome show with my boy Marcus. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com 
and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Marcus Martinez is currently the master kettlebell coach for Kettlebell Kings. From trainers to fitness enthusiasts, his goal is to show people how to use kettlebells properly and get more from them than just swings and presses through his certification and programs through Kettlebell Kings. He's been in the fitness game for 15 years now as a gym owner, personal trainer, workshop presenter, and video curator. Marcus currently lives in Orange County, California, and is a proud dad of three kiddos and three doggies. In this show, Marcus and I talk about how he had to fight to convince his mom to let him work out when he was 10 years old, how he got started with kettlebell training, why he's such a fan of the explosive deadlift as a bridge between deadlifts and swings, and the biggest mistake he sees trainees making with the bell. This is a high-energy, fun, and engaging conversation, and I know you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Marcus, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Where do I begin? Uh, (laughs) In the strength training world, I got very into fitness, you know, as most people, early age. And uh, I always knew I wanted to get in, like, I wanted to own a gym. That okay. was like from like high school. Yeah. I knew I wanted to own a gym and started going that route and kind of diverted paths because I also knew I'm like, shit, I don't know anything about running a business, <laughs> numbers. Yeah. So I actually changed, changed my plan to actually go into finance and then just keep working on this stuff kind of on the side because I okay. love it's passion. So I went in through finance, got an accounting, all that. And then it was kind of mid 2000s that I was like, all right, it's time to go full bore. So I started training full time, you know. Most trainers, it was like always kind of like half, sometimes in my garage, sometimes in the park, but this yeah. time I'm like, no, I'm going all in. So I started my gym in 2007, 2008, and okay. then just ran with that. And it was a kettlebell gym. Like I just got so attracted to kettlebells. And when I started back in 2001, I got my first personal training license in 2001. It was just a general one. Yeah, for but sure. This guy was just kind of ahead of his time. I've never seen. He was talking about kettlebells. He was talking about just things I had never seen before. So I'm okay. like, okay, this is this is this is different. I like this. So just kind of that was like the first time I saw kind of unconventional training, which you know at the time was unconventional training. Yeah, for sure. I just I loved that stuff. I love you know I played tennis. I played baseball. I loved the idea of martial arts, but my parents never let me do it. So I had, <laughs> I, I had, to, I had to just fight alongside Jean-Claude Van Damme on Kickboxer watching yes. you know, movies. But I love that kind of that athleticism that this kind of unconventional training did. Yeah. And, uh, or at least that's kind of what it was, it was touted as. You, know, you could do it anywhere. It was, sure. it was full body. I got very into the whole you know, functional training. And so that kind of unconventional training world is where I built my gym around. And okay. it, was all, it was predominantly kettlebells and then steel maces and clubs and shit that people would walk in and be like, what Whoa, is that's cool. Like this is, Oh, is this for baseball? Is this for <laughs> fight? Like, right. Like, no, it's, that's kind of how I started. And then just had a boot camp, ran classes, but loved the coaching aspect of it. So that's where I started my workshop series. I started putting stuff on YouTube back in like 2008. I found a wow. video from there. I'm like, man, so you watch videos of yourself from back then. Oh like, my gosh. It's just like, awful. It's so hard. <laughs> and it just kept kept growing with that. So that's awesome. So like what originally led you? You said you were always kind of into this, but like what led you into the world of physical preparation? How'd you start working out? What kind of ignited your passion for all this? From an, such an I remember at 10 years old, my mom fighting me saying, You can't lift weights. It's gonna stunt your growth. Oh yeah. You can't do it. Like just 
so like vehemently against anything fitness. My parents, you know, my, my dad was an artist and is an artist. My mom teaches accounting. They were not physical people. Right. And so, like I said, I, I was, I'm kind of half joking, but like I literally was watching kickboxer Batman movies. I'm like, I love, I just love the physical side of it. I love the strength. I love the power. So it was that kind of ignited it. And then finally about 12 or 13, my mom finally gave in and she bought me some dumbbells. And then I just started like doing exercise. I never read any books about it. I never did any, like the never had any mentors at like an early age. So I did so many things wrong for so long until I finally was like, okay, what do I have? And then it just turned into, you know, reading magazines and all that stuff. I just, I loved the physical nature, like what our bodies can do. I loved watching somebody. I remember being at the gym when I was like 15 and I watched this dude who just jacked, like not gigantic, but just freaking jacked, yeah. just throwing 90 pound dumbbells, throwing hundred pound dumbbells, you know, benching them, rowing, all these things. And I'm sitting here with like my, my 40 pound dumbbells. I'm like, oh shit. Like I just, I loved it. So I got inspired by so many different types of people. And then it really just stemmed from sports. You know, I got into baseball and then when I didn't make it into high school, my dad signed me up for tennis and I was like, all right, cool. And I loved it. And I ended up playing all through college and in tennis world, nobody's into strength training. Like no, nobody was. And I remember trying to get our team into the weight room and they were like, yeah, no, sorry. (laughs) Not, Not getting you in there. So I just started doing, you know, having them do push-ups and ladders and different things in high school. Like, how can we get stronger? How can we get better at this? Right. So it was all, all my, you know, strength training world. Everything came from performance. How can I perform better? How can I get better at this thing that I'm doing? It was, you know, unfortunately, it was never about vanity, which I feel like it should have been a little bit at least because right. I was like, <laughs> I would have I been bigger or stronger. <laughs> but it was purely like, how can I move better? How can I feel awesome? How can I perform as best as possible? I love that, man. So how does that translate from you're this high school, college age athlete working out, you start your own gym. Talk to me about starting the gym and like the transition and the career path that you've gone through to kind of get to where you're at today. So it really, even before the gym, it started with one of my business partners at the time, we got into posting on social media. We got into posting on YouTube. Yep. And I was just very, I got, had already gotten, you know, kettlebell certified and I was very into kettlebells and I was that kettlebell guy for yeah. a while. <laughs> and so I started posting some videos and just watching people respond from all over the world. It was like, oh shit, this is so awesome. Yeah. So the gym, even though I knew I always wanted a gym, it kind of became an R and D lab, a place where I can shoot my videos, a place where I can kind of, you know, keep practicing with these things, trying these things, experimenting with stuff. And then it just happened to be like, oh cool, we're getting clients, we're getting you know, we're starting a class. So everything was kind of split up between online and then in-person classes. And then I had a couple of personal training clients at the time, but it was predominantly classes. Right. And they were almost 90% kettlebell or body weight. I had yeah. like, you know, part of it was financial. It was just easier to have that, <laughs> yes. that little equipment. Yeah. And part of it was just, I loved it. I loved everything about kettlebells. I loved everything about that kind of training. So having the gym was so awesome. It was so much fun. I loved it. It was a grind. It was brutal sometimes, but I loved dealing with people on a daily basis. I love that energy of having a class going. I just loved it. But I literally started my business a week before we found out we were pregnant with our first kid. Oh, wow. So it's like, oh, this is a terrible, <laughs> terrible timing. But <laughs> So talk to me, you know, as you're coming up and you've got your cert and you're starting to get into all these different types of training, 
what prompted you to take that first kettlebell course? Like, what was it that was like, you know, this is interesting. I think I'm going to do this. And then what was that like for you? Honestly, that was an absolute game changer. And I still attribute a lot of what I've gone through and what I've been able to accomplish through that first RKC, that, you know, the first workshop with Pavel, that yeah. first three-day course. I mean, it was Brutal. an absolute game changer. Brutal. <laughs> damn burpees. Yes. Like, every time a damn plane went up. But anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I had been looking into it for a while. I'd gotten a couple like basic personal training certs and that was the one because I got so into kettlebells, I was like, okay, this seems interesting. This was the only one of value at the time. There was you know, a couple other here and there, but that was the right. only one that was really like, oh, this is the gold standard. Yep. They did such a great job at marketing. I was like, okay, yes. this is awesome. I got to do this. Yes. And you know, I just, I remember sitting there, I remember the day I bought it and I fucking, sorry. Yeah, you're good. I spent like, <laughs> <laughs> spent like almost three grand on this like three day course that yes. now I'm looking back like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But it was, you know, leading up to, I bought it like a year out in advance. I was like, oh, wow. this is going to be like, this is, I was, I had like kind of half office job at the time. I was kind of training on the side, but it was predominantly like, that was my main job. I knew I was going to transition into the fitness world at some point, but I was like, okay, it's, that's not now. It's never going to happen. So right. I remember clicking on that button to buy that cert, and then I'm like, okay, what's going to happen now? Let's let's just let's, <laughs> right. let's go. And I remember being that first day on the at the cert, and you know, it's a hundred people in this room, yeah, and everybody's talking about who they are, where they're from, that kind of icebreaker, and you know, oh, I've been training for thirty years. Oh, I've been doing this, and I just like. All right. Well, I've always said I want to get in the fitness industry, and now I'm going to do it. And this is the jumping off point. And yeah. everyone started clapping. I was like, "Yes, this is it." And That's I just awesome. Went, like both feet in, just uh, hit the ground running as fast as I could. And, and when did you do that? That was 2008. Okay. Where did you do it at? San Jose. Oh, uh, okay. I'm trying to think. I don't think I was 08. I was 09, 2009 or 2010. I did it in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and. I wanted to do that. I was like the OG yeah. doing it in yeah. Minneapolis, but yep. San Jose was so much more convenient. So. Yeah. Such a great group. And I mean, they did such a good job of, like you said, the marketing was second to none. John Duquesne needs his his propers for all that. <laughs> yeah. But man, just such a good job of like creating a community in such a short period of time. It's like that shared suffering. Man. You know, everybody's going through this together. You're cheering each other on. Like you feel like, you know, like almost like a tight knit little family by the time Sunday night rolls around, you know? Totally. You feel like you accomplished something. It feels almost, and I was never in the military, so I can only, you know, make it as similar to that as possible. But that was right. kind of what they were trying to do with this was like, they're breaking you down. And then you come out of this, like, this is, you, know, you are the gold standard in training with kettlebells. And yes. I totally bought into that until I was like, oh, I'm going to try doing different things. And it was like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. We don't <laughs> do. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's where you lost me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But <laughs> What I want to start with is, can you give me some insight? Like, obviously, you're a big kettlebell guy. I love kettlebells as well. I use them a ton in my in my training sessions. But what are some of the advantages of using a kettlebell versus, say, a more traditional implement like a dumbbell or a barbell or something like that? I mean, the main advantage is going to come down to the anatomy of the weight itself. Just the, the shape of it, the offset nature. You're able to do more. I mean, to be able to do as ballistic stuff with that as you could compared to anything else, you can't really do that. You can't, you're never really going to eccentrically load a ballistic, you know, hinge as you could with, you you can do the, you know, ski swings I've seen with dumbbells, but you never really loaded that heavily. Yeah. The way that the handle is, it's just, it makes it so easy to transition from movement to movement. 
to be able to string complexes together. I mean, there's so much more you can do with it from like a general physical aspect of it because you can do so many circuits, you can do it in a class setting, it's convenient, it's portable. You know, again, from like the, the ballistic side, that's really where it goes it's so much different than other tools. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can, you know, you can ballistically load barbells and you can do Olympic lifts, but the, you know, the, the time it takes to learn that is so much more. The amount of equipment you need is so much more. I tried doing that in my classes and it was like, oh shit, like, I don't know this well. <laughs> like, to right. have like 10 people doing, you know, barbell cleans compared to 10 people doing dumbbell or uh, kettlebell cleans was yep. very different. Absolutely. And then same thing, just the kind of the ergonomic factor of it where it's so much more comfortable to use than a dumbbell from like a clean snatch, you know, swinging standpoint. So again, yeah, you can swing dumbbells, but once you get past like 50 pounds, that's not really going to happen. Yeah, it's super awkward. And then same thing with clean, same thing with snatches. It's so much easier. It just lends itself to being able to, you know, do more repetitions. So I found, you know, for my fighters, because I got very into training professional fighters for a while. Yeah. And it was so much easier to be able to get them stronger, build their work capacity and make them more explosive and never, and never injure them. And yeah, that's the thing. Uh, every one of them came to me from another strength place and not to knock them because, you know, I'm sure there was some issues there, too. But sure. they all came to me with some kind of issue, shoulder, back, something. And everyone said the same thing. They were doing heavy lifts. They were doing a lot of Olympic lifts and they were doing a ton of volume. Yeah. And, you know, it could, it, you know, people can obviously get stronger with barbells and it's not going to injure you. It, right. it came down to bad programming, too. But once I switched them over, okay, we're predominantly doing kettlebells, a lot of body weight movement, a lot of suspension trainer, and then some bands. Then it was like, oh, I just felt so much better. Yeah. So I was able to just get so much done in such a little time. Yep. I love the efficacy of it where you can just get so much done. You know, from a, Like I said, from a complex standpoint, it was so yep. fun to be able to get someone just do so much volume in such a short amount of time with – you know, a couple kettlebells. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting. Like I think back to when we first opened our gym and it's like the first thing when you're like, okay, I'm going to open a gym. It's time to get some equipment. You know, you're looking around. It's like racks, man. What's the sweetest rack I can get, (laughs) you know? And then you start to price rack and you're like, holy crap, like these are super (laughs) expensive. And then barbells and plates. And it's like, dude, I like have this amazing piece of equipment, but it's like $5,000 versus now it's like, I had to outfit uh, a small satellite facility. And it's like, the first thing I'm looking at are how, how many kettlebell sets can I get? You yeah. know, because there's such a versatile tool. And part of that is phil- philosophically my changing from, hey, man, everybody's got to just squat, bench, and deadlift to, you know, kind of where you're at now. It's like, it's functional movement. Can we help people move smoother, cleaner? Can we give them better options? So, like, hey, man, we don't have to barbell back squat anymore. Like, let's go two kettlebell front squat. And sure. we'll crush some people and it's going to be way, it's going to give them way more carryover to their actual sport without injuring them. And that was the Absolutely. thing that so many people, especially in the sports conditioning world, at least at that time, you know, 10 plus years ago, it was bang them, get, you know, like you said, get under the bar, squat a lot, lift yep. a lot, clean a lot. And if you don't do those things, like you're, you're shit. Like that's yeah, you're not, not really serious. You're not, you're not really serious. And it was like, okay, well let's, you know, Let's double swing some 40Ks. Let's do some dead stop cleans with the 48K. Let's do snatches with 32K. Let's do get-ups. Let's do farm walks. Let's do bottoms-up carries. Let's do all these other things that we can do that are going to engage you more. They're going to keep you, you know, know, resilient has become such a marketing term, but they're going to keep you injury-free for as long as possible. And like you said, it's going to carry over. Yeah. And one of the biggest benefits I saw of the kettlebells immediately, because it was always every one of my fighters, or really any one of my clients, within a couple weeks, they always said the same thing my grip feels so much stronger. 
because there's few things that will activate your grip as much as ballistically swinging a weight and doing it over and over and over. It's like that is going to just build some crazy grip strength. So I love, I love it. And, and, not to get totally sidetracked here, but like people talk about, oh, like I need to like just hip thrust more if I want to build a booty. Like go swing, like go, go swing. swing seriously for about 30 days and tell me that your backside hasn't developed in, in a more, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking in for. In a more here. balanced way. In a more balanced way. Absolutely. So when it comes to working out, when it comes to getting started with just training in general. I feel like there are basic lifts we want people to master, right? We want to teach them how to squat. We want to teach them to hinge. We want to teach them to press. So when it comes to the bells, are there any like basic or entry level moves that you like everyone to be proficient in? First one would definitely be the explosive deadlift because I teach this before I teach the swing to learn how to decelerate load without having to keep the repetition going. So people go right into swings they go deadlift, cool. Now let's go swings. And it's like, well, there's like the one of the things that I did with my with my training, and this is just through all the types of people I saw, was how many gaps can I bridge? There was, you know, there's there's this movement, then there's this movement, then there's this movement in this progression. But how can I fill the gaps as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. or as many times as possible? So that way I can have a class of thirty people, and I can have them all perform the same movement pattern or basic movement pattern that I'm trying to have them do, but keep them as injury free as possible. So. Explosive deadlifts would definitely be one. And just starting with a fast concentric where you just pull as fast as you can to triple extension, even though we don't technically do that with swings, but just to yeah. understand that point of weightlessness that you want to be able to manage on the way down and then the jump. So that way we learn again how to not jar ourselves, which is what you know most people when they see a swing, they think of one aspect. They think of swinging it. But it's yeah. like, oh, that's just coming back at you. So <laughs> how are you going to be able to control that? Right. So being able to create that, but having them have the pause in between where the bell's on the ground. So that's definitely one. Second one would be obviously the swing. Because once you learn the swing, then there are, I mean, I just write an article right now for uh, Dr. Russin where it's just 22 different swing variations where there's so many ways. Oh, and I got like 30 that you can do. I love it. I mean, there's so much variation. That's why I hate in anything in the fitness world and this slight sidetrack, but where you get so dogmatic where like, this is the only way to do something. It's like, no, this is not life. Like, staggered stance, a half kneeling position. There's so many ways that we can incorporate this. So once you learn the swing, you learn the mechanics of driving through the hips, not going into uh, excessive extension where you're feeling that in your lower back, understanding how to mitigate tension, understanding how that balance of fluidity and tension. So you're not just, you're not a powerlifter. You can't do a three rep max of swings. Fine. But what about when you get into 10 reps or 15 or 20? With something of a substantial weight, you have to be able to learn how to move through that. Yes. So then swings and then I would say cleans would be a huge one because it's such a transitional position where, you know, without the clean, you're not gonna be able to press well, you're not gonna be able to squat well, you're not gonna be able to, you know, perform any kind of flows or complexes or hybrids or anything like that. So understanding just the rack position, that's a huge one. So supposed to deadlift, swing, clean, and then last I would say a rotational clean. Okay. understanding how to rotate hinge because most people when they as soon as they you know as soon as they rotate they start to flex yeah. so understanding how to rotate hinge move through these different positions under a load that's not necessarily you know it's, it could still potentially hurt you but in a more safer setting yeah so that's what i love with the kettlebells it allows someone to be able to do that with a weight that's super submaximal but it gives them the feel understanding how to get in and out of those positions safely which tons of carry on I, I love that and well, I just want to say I'm totally stealing this explosive deadlift. 
because <laughs> I, I know I've seen it before, but like this has always been one of my big beefs is you watch somebody hinge and their hinge is whatever, right? And maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but then people immediately assume, oh, your hinge is good, let's start swinging. And you're like, uh, they barely hinge well. So yeah. now you're going to add speed and add this element of complexity and rhythm and coordination that this person obviously does not have. So no. I love that is like a bridge between the two. That's awesome. It's, it's, it was the easiest way to get somebody. And that, that was the thing. I didn't want to spend weeks ramping somebody up and making them feel like a loser coming into my gym where it's like, you know, A, selfishly, I didn't want to spend a lot of time having to teach them a lot of things to get them into that unless they paid for an extra package. And then B, again, I wanted them to come into a class and feel like, okay, I feel like I can do what everyone else is doing and I'm getting the workout that they're all getting. It just looks a little different. Yeah. So that was a great bridge. And like you said, and the same thing with the clean, everyone goes right into it. It's like, okay, you can get in the rack position. All right, now it's clean. It's like, what about the dead start clean? What about understanding just that position? As soon as you start adding complexities of hinging, pulling, you know, all these other things, it's like, that's when things go out the window. So how can we break it down as simply as possible to get them to do exactly what we're trying to get them to do? I literally thought I was going to break my forearm the first time I had to, Dude, to clean. I, I mean, saw a guy break his forearm doing a kettlebell snatch uh, about 10 years ago at a conventional gym. He was snatching, snatching, and then he pulled, and you just see his face light up, and he drops the bell, and he runs to the bathroom, and it turned out he had broken his fucking forearm. Uh, oh, my gosh, like, dude. He's with a trainer. <laughs> yeah, that guy's not coming back. That trainer's not getting any more business. <laughs> so one thing that I love about your work and following you on the gram is that you're not dogmatic. You're not keeping it like here are the six exercises that every person should do all the time with a kettlebell. Like you're always introducing new moves and flows into the routine. So I'm really interested. Is that something that you consciously decided to do or do you just feel like you want to dabble and experiment with your training? A couple parts. There, I definitely did, went in with that intention because when I started with kettlebells, I saw the power of the kettlebell. I saw the versatility of the kettlebell, but I saw that there was really nobody showing that. So I wanted to show what was possible with the kettlebell. So that's why I started playing around with all these different positions and moves and you know, experimenting with it with my clients, with myself. How can I do as many different things as possible? And then the second part is I just have training ADD where if I get very <laughs> bored very fast. So at the same time, I still want to get stronger. I still want to become more explosive and athletic. But how can I trick myself into doing that? How can I trick my clients into doing that with just some minor tweaks so it feels like a different movement? Yes. But I'm still kind of pushing the needle forward a little bit. Yes. So that's why you know the, the variations that I show, it's like, yeah, you do these things, you're going to get stronger. And I love, love, love when people get in there and they get so dogmatic that's not the way you do this and that's not <laughs> that's not going to build strength and then i'm like okay and then i'm fl- you know, flipping a 40k or snatching a 48k i'm like here you go go ahead do it now it's like right. there is a carryover to these things you know and it's like we get so stuck in to lift more you have to lift more to press more you have to press more and it's like yes to some extent but at what point is your body going to say no at what yeah. point are you going to break down and was it worth it i got to the point where i was pressing the 44k the 97 pound right. and i was like almost at the beast and this is back in my RKC days where it was like press, 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 ladders, just fucking press every day. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, I took my shoulder and then I can't do anything for a month. And I'm like, well, what the heck was that worth it? Was that, right. that wasn't worth it at all. Yeah. So how can I incorporate these other methods to keep me strong, to keep me resilient, to help me, again, you know, progress in whatever my goals were without breaking me down? So that's where variety, you know, people hate variety in so many forms because it's like, oh, it's just gimmicky. You're just doing all these different things. but. Right. 
variety for the sake of variety, you know, occasionally that's okay. But variety for the sake of how can we move you forward but not wear you down in one particular pattern, then now we're onto something. So that's, that's where, in, especially in the kettlebell world, people got so crazy about just you have to do it this way. Yeah. It's like, that's where you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, like you, you make a great point. This is something I think I've learned over the years is when you're young, you can get away with that push, push, push mentality, right? Like you said, I'm going to press every session. In my world, it was I'm going to squat, bench, or deadlift every day and push and push. And, oh, it doesn't matter. Off day, I, don't, I didn't sleep well. It doesn't matter. I got to hit this weight. Versus now, I think as we get older and hopefully, you know, the young trainers and coaches and athletes that listen to this know, it's like, hey, man, you need a lot more of those pull workouts, right? Like I'm in the gym, I'm getting the work, I'm grooving my technique, I'm not maxing out, I'm not pushing myself to the nth degree because those like accumulated successes are so much more important than that one day that you just crushed it in the gym. Totally, totally. And I, and I look back to younger me and God willing, like I never had any major injuries because I always kind of had that mindset of like, okay, I don't need to put... I'm not competing in powerlifting. I'm not competing in something where I have to kill myself. Yeah. How can I just move the needle? And so with any new clients and now with the workshop, I've been teaching workshops since 2011, 2012. That is like the main thing I try to get across to, especially to the younger guys and girls where it's like you don't have to kill yourself with one movement or one you know series of movements or whatever. How can we do as many different things as possible but still keep you on track, you know? Uh, not getting so dogmatic about anything. But as soon as you get dogmatic, you've lost. Yeah, for sure. So now I'm intrigued. Like, I want to know more. Like, what got you started teaching these workshops? And and what do you do in them? Like, what do you cover? Like, give me the format. How many days? What are you covering? I'm just really intrigued in what you're doing there. So it started, uh, are we talking this is how it started or are we talking Both. about where we are right now? Both. All right, so give, me started... the, give me the whole shebang. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> it started really out of necessity where people were asking me. They, they, I was the only person in the area kind of doing kettlebells. I was the only person posting anything really. There was a handful of other people here and there, but there was this gym in Argentina called Toluca, and it was a big CrossFit gym. And okay. they messaged me. They're like, we want to get certified by you. I'm like, cool. I don't certify. Like, I, <laughs> I'll do that. That's not a thing that I do. It's not a thing I do. Like, I, I never wanted to get into that aspect of it because I yeah. hated the concept of, oh, here you are certified after, you know, two days or three days. Right. You know, as long as you go in thinking this is the beginning and not now I am this, yes. then we're gone to something. But, you know, so they, they messaged me and they kept messaging me. It was like almost <laughs> six months of messaging me where they're like, oh, wow. we want to follow, we want your certification. So I literally was like, okay, I have a gym. I have trainers that I'm training already. I have a protocol that I kind of go through with them. I've done little mini workshops here and there. Fuck it. Let's make a cert. So I created <laughs> a three-day course on kettlebells. And so at the time, it was just the basics. It was a lot of programming. It was a lot of coaching. And it was just taking somebody from point A to point Z with a kettlebell. So yeah. here's someone, like I always kind of came in, even if it was an advanced course, someone who's never taken touched a kettlebell before, how can I get them to safely perform these eight movements? So at the time I did, it was like the basic eight. And it was yeah. swing, clean, snatch, windmill, get up, press, squat, row. Yeah. Okay. So those were the basic movements where I'm like, okay, you just get about anything done with these eight movements. Yeah. And then it started to progress where then I started teaching, kind of uh, added some more stuff. I had some more rotational work. I added a little bit more 
you know, not juggling because I hated that. I liked juggling, but I didn't want to like teach that because right. it looks so, like anyone would see it and be like, "This is gimmicky." Until I right. put it to work up, they're like, "Oh shit, this is actually really cool." Like, <laughs> oh, sort. Yeah. And so then I uh, got started, kind of dabbling into like flow and how can I start moving in different patterns and how can I start moving in different directions. You know, we got squat, hinge, pull, press, but what about all the areas in between? How can yeah. I, even if it's still technically a pull. What about a pull from this different angle? You know, everyone's treating their hips like hinges. Everyone's treating their shoulders just, you know, in one plane. But right. it's like, no, there's so much more you can do with this. Yeah. So then once I got on board, uh, I built the kettlebell cert for on it. Then it was like, okay, now we're starting to get more into flow. That was when I went full bore into flow and started incorporating an entire section on how you can start moving freely with the kettlebell. Because, I mean, if you're just going to do rows, squats, presses, go get a freaking dumbbell. If you're going right. to do just the same basic movements, Go do that with anything. Go pick up a heavy sandbag or something. Right. But to make the kettlebell unique, how can we incorporate all these different patterns? How can we incorporate kind of a, a feeling of play, which I felt like was so not ever really addressed in the strength world. It was yeah. all do these movements, you know, build your strength, literally, maybe go undulating, maybe move. But how can we move in these different patterns and get stronger in these positions that we never did? And, you know, when I first started with fighters, it was how can I get them Comfortable and uncomfortable positions. How can I get yeah. them strong from a place where most people are weak? And that's where I was able to kind of incorporate a lot of that with the kettlebells. So then flash forward, started doing more like foundation to flow type workshops. And then now I'm built the kettlebell certification for kettlebell kings. And it's a two-day course right now where, again, it starts off with, you know, essentially foundational work. How can we incorporate this? Adding in rotation sooner because most people don't add rotation into into any of the movements until like way, way, way down the right. road. But rotation is how we live. Like we live in rotation. We move in rotation all the time. Right. So why not learn how to do it properly? Why not learn how to do it efficiently and load that so that way we build stronger, you know, more injury proof proof to people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so the first day is predominantly foundational work, you know, just being able to pick up a kettlebell, being able to clean a kettlebell, being able to press a kettlebell. And then the second day we start doing more ballistic work where it's going to be swings, snatches, and then all the while adding in rotational work within those movements to the culmination, which is a flow kind of section where yeah. it's, this is, we're taking your experiences where you are. So whether you're, you know, well versed with a kettlebell, you've been doing it for two decades, you're going to be doing a lot more stuff. All right. You, you've never done a kettlebell. Let's just see how we can start flowing together a little bit better. So even if we're just love doing it. basic movements, because I love the aspect of flow again, not just with kettlebells, but just getting into that you know, we, t we talk about flow in sports where you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm in the zone. Right. And I love that whole aspect of it because when you start flowing with anything, whether you can be flowing in an article, whatever, work. You yes. don't, like time doesn't exist. It's like yeah. you don't worry about what people are thinking. You don't worry about anything. You're just – everything is communicating so perfectly. Yeah. You know, you're, you're able to do so much more. You're able to do things you never thought you can do and it's never something that you can plan. Yeah. Again, that comes from the repetition of understanding those fundamentals and that foundation and then from there, allowing yourself to get to that place of play and flow that I think they go hand in hand. Everyone's so focused on either structure and they're only structured in their workouts or they're just flow. They're, you know, right. Nowadays, a lot of flow. You see people who are just like, I just like to move. There needs to be a balance. Right. So that's what I want to kind of impart with this series. And so that way it's not 
you know, even though obviously it's kettlebell centric, the principles will still apply to just about anything as long as you know, people kind of read between the lines in some ways. But I mean, the goal is just to make them as proficient as possible with the kettlebell and make them a better coach, make them a more valuable coach, and make them a more valuable you know, member of the strength society where I feel like people are so – they get either dogmatic or they feel like, you know, I don't need to do that. That's stupid. They don't open their eyes to something because they, you know, they put their judgments on something. So – I've, I love people coming through the cert who are very into kettlebells, who are, you know, maybe they're dogmatic. And for those people who are, I always applaud them if they're, you know, oh, this is the way you do this, but I'm still going to come to your thing because I want to see. Right. They're like my best friends afterwards because they're, they're like, oh, okay. This, this is, is cool. This is cool. This yeah. is, I can do more stuff with this. All right. Like, you, it, it was like the amount of times I've heard people say, I feel like you allowed me to try different things. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't do anything. I just showed you this is how you can do that. You didn't need right. permission to do this, but people feel like they have to have yeah. that. They, they need that, not recognition. They need that kind of, I guess, that permission. It, to be it really to is. It's like you're giving them a verbal permission slip to try <laughs> different things. Like, it's like, okay. Okay, you're doing it. It's okay. I guess I can try it. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been doing this like 12 years now right? Just like a real focus on the kettlebell stuff. You've done workshops, you've coached, I'm assuming thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when it comes to their kettlebell training? I'm sure this is loaded, right? I could write a a book on this one. (laughs) I think the first main mistake, and we've already said it multiple times, is being dogmatic, saying this is the only way. As soon as you think this is the only way, then you're screwed. And that doesn't just go for people who've gone through courses or worked, you know, extensively as a trainer. It also goes for new people that they're like, oh, yeah, I've done kettlebells. That's like if they've even like picked up a kettlebell to move it from one spot to the next, they're like, yeah, I've done kettlebells. Like they think that's like that's there's only one way to do something. So that's the first one. You got to open your mind to it. That's mistake number yeah. one is don't be dogmatic. Number two is treating it like any other tool. So people will see it and they'll be like, oh, a dumbbell. Okay. As soon as I give, let's say, 16K, 35 pound to a guy, I'll, he'll pick it up and be like, oh, this is too heavy. Like, for, first off, it's 35 pounds. Like, you're going to be using your whole body <laughs> right. to do this. It's not, right. I'm not asking you to just curl this one weight. Right. And it happened a lot with my female clients where I'd give them a much heavier weight, you know, because we can handle much heavier weights than we think. Right. They're immediately like, oh, man, like, I can't do it. You're not thinking full body. You're thinking, I'm going to lift this up. Like, they see a swing, they think it's a front raise. They see uh, a clean, they think it's a curl. Yeah. Like, no, this is a full body movement. So not understanding that we're not, you know, we're not isolating exercise or isolating movements here. We're doing full body explosive work. Right. So that'd be a mistake number two. When I see people cleaning the bell, they're just like, they're trying to muscle it up. Yeah. And people swinging the bell, they're, you know, so that'd be, that'd be definitely a big mistake. And then lastly is not understanding that there is that time that goes into the fundamentals because there's so much, you know, even though a kettlebell is much easier to learn, in my opinion, than like Olympic lifting or something like that. There are a lot of nuances about, or there are a lot of nuances about it that we have to understand. So the move, bell moves around a lot more. With the dumbbell, it's pretty secure. When you're curling, when you're you know pressing, it's not going to you know move around too much in your wrist. But with the right. kettlebell, because of that constant fluctuation, that constant rotation, it's always moving around. So what I see people doing is that letting that bell jerk them down when they're swinging, you know, or cleaning. They're, you know, they try to do something rotational and you just see it slamming on their forearm. They're just right. letting it move around. It's like, let's just scale it back. Let's <laughs> go back to the basics. How can we understand this movement before we go on to the next movement? So 
kind of respecting the process. Yeah. And I can only imagine like people watch your stuff and I watch your videos and I'm like, damn, that looks cool. But then I also have that realization of, yeah, but he's worked really hard to get to that point where it looks really cool and it looks really smooth. Like one of the things that I always come back to is being around like high level athletes. Like I can watch dudes that are just ridiculous shooters. Right. And I watch them shoot and I'm like, damn, I could do that. And then I go out there and I try it. I'm like, oh, hell no, I can't do that. (laughs) So it's that realization of, oh, no, I haven't put in the work to be at that level. So that's a fantastic point is just realizing, look, like there's a process to it, right? Totally. Totally. There's so much more to it. So much behind (laughs) behind the scenes. Yes. So big question time, my guy. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Marcus Martinez one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? Oh, this is going to sound so lame because it's so cliche, but just be consistent. Love, okay. enjoy, like, enjoy the process. Stop worrying about that 500-pound deadlift. Stop worrying about that 48K press, whatever it is. Enjoy the process. Every single workout, just enjoy it. Like, I, I kind of don't like this mentality of like, oh, workouts are going to suck. You're going to push yourself. You're going to. I freaking love my workouts. Like every right. workout I do, I love it, and I'm getting stronger, and I'm feeling better, and it's moving me. And when I was younger, it was like I came in with this like grind mentality where it was like, just I gotta finish this. I gotta do this. And it sucked and it was painful. <laughs> it's like it doesn't have to be. It doesn't right. have to be because you were. I was thinking in you know such short term goals. I wasn't thinking in terms of 10, 20 years, 30 yeah. years, 40 years at first. I'm talking yep. like high school. Maybe. Right. And, you know, so that's why I tell that kid, like, just enjoy the process, slow down and find somebody that knows more than you. Yeah. Don't be stubborn. I mean, I, it took years before I learned that, you know, I wish that's something. And I feel like that's, we're in a different world now where there's so much access to information. There's so many access, so much access to so many great coaches. I feel like people are, you know, they're listening to that, but there's still so many people that's like, ah, I can do this. I can figure right. this out. Just save yourself years yeah. and find someone that can help you, whether it's with kettlebells, weightlifting, powerlifting, whatever it is, find someone that can help you. That's They're going to give you the path and you're going to save so much time and potential injuries. I love it. I love it. Okay, my guy, last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So five questions for you. Number one, competition or standard kettlebells? Competition bells. I love the the diameter of them. I love the feel of them. I remember after doing my first kettlebell sport certification just to try it out. I went through Ken Blackburn and Steve uh, Cotter. Love those guys. Yeah. Remember just the whole weekend, kettlebell forearm, kettlebell forearm. And I left feeling awesome. Whereas with the other wells, after a weekend of it, I felt like just, oh, my forearm Beat up. I felt like pain. Yeah. So competition bells for sure. Interesting. Okay. Number two, I'm assuming, well, I know you're pretty much an aficionado at this point. So, can you tell me the most challenging kettlebell workout you've done to date or fun? Challenging or fun workout? Oh, those are two different questions. Challenging would be I reluctantly stepped into one of Dan John's 10,000 swing challenges. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, dude, that was <laughs> – I love Dan John. And that's I in love, a month, right? It was in a month. And after like seven days, I'm like, nope, I'm out. I was like 300 plus swings. And he, he kept – like at the time – and I've seen some recent articles where he was like, no, don't go that heavy. At the time, it was like, you ramp up to your heaviest set, you know. Oh, you wow. So I was swinging the 40K, 48K, you know, for oh sets of gosh. 20, 30. Oh and yeah. And because my goal was like, I'm going to hit this number. I'm going to hit this. Right. So that was definitely the most challenging and not necessarily in a good way. Okay. <laughs> 
my favorite workouts by far are my flow workouts because at the end of those, you not only get the physical feel of like, oh man, I just feel really good. Like my body feels good. I'm sweaty. You get that mental like elation where you're just like, yeah. I, like I like I like I just did yoga. Like I just did something. Like I just meditated. It's like a movement right. meditation. I love that. So being able to do it, you know, where I'm just setting the timer. And people see it and they get very turned off by it because they're like, oh, it looks so – don't do all the other crazy shit. Just do clean snatches. Pre- do the basic movements, but just don't stop. Right. Try to make things transition as easily as possible, as smoothly as possible. You know, make Do your big strength work before and then just finish with like a 15-minute with a super light kettlebell where you don't stop. Yeah. And I feel awesome after that. Those are always my favorite. I have one workout in particular I remember doing at my gym where it was like afternoon time, I had finished doing some trap bar deadlifts, and I was like, ah, you know, I was gonna do some other stuff, but I'm like, I'm just gonna flow. Yeah. Set the timer for 30 minutes, and just kept going. 30 minutes was up, I'm like, it was like, what just happened? I didn't even realize how much time had just passed, just because I was so in that movement, everything was just going so well, I was doing movements I'd never done before, that That's now awesome. I do into my training, which that was another big thing of flow, is that you can find pieces, like you can't you know, map out an entire flow session, but at the end of it, you can be like, oh, I really like that. I'm going right. to start chaining that. I'm going to take that piece and I'm going to put that into a traditional program. Okay. So these different pieces. And then you just kind of play around with that. So I love it. I love it. What is, and this is a, a, a lightning round question. I'm just intrigued at this point. Like what is your training schedule look like these days? Right now I've been hitting three full body days. I have been, I mean, with kids and with travel, I yeah. like, I can't, I, I love training. I love being in the gym. I love doing cardio. I love doing all that shit. So it's not even like a marketing <laughs> ploy trying to be like, oh, you only need three days a week, 20 minutes a day. And like right. Taking I, <laughs> I'm trying to do this for the sake of longevity. How can yeah. I get stronger? How can I still put on mass without, you know, killing myself in the gym? So three days a week, full body where I'm getting explosive with kettlebells, a couple barbell movements. I might do machines if I feel like it, but I'm hitting everything. I'm hitting it hard. And then that's it. And then in between those days, it's a ton of walking. Sometimes I'll go for a run. Sometimes I'll do sprints. I try to listen to my body. Kind of like, uh, you know, my the way I eat is very much just intuitive eating. What yeah. feels good? If I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not, don't. With my training, it's kind of like that. Instead of getting so rigid and I got to do this, 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 I want to make sure I'm hitting all the parts. I'm hitting everything, every movement pattern. I'm you know tracking it so I can make sure I'm getting stronger I'm feeling good. I'm not hurting myself at the end of this. So that's Love been it. the that's been the main thing. And then Love every now and then I'll just get, you know, some curls and curls and extensions and yeah. get a pump going. Nothing wrong with that, man. Gotta get a little <laughs> bit of that arm farm in. Okay. Okay, number three, bro, how on earth did you get hundred and forty four thousand followers on the gram? I mean, you're a legend. You're a legend, it's man. I'm just so trying to get funny. on your level. This is a perfect example of like when you try to plan shit. Like nothing <laughs> happens. And when you don't plan it, like everything happens. Yeah. I had another account that I was doing all my videos on everything. I even had this app called like InstaLiker where it wouldn't follow people, but it would like other people's posts. And then the hope was that they would like you back. Right. And then if they liked you back, then they might follow you. So right. it kind of worked. And then on a whim, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start kettlebell exercises. This was back in 2012 or 13. I'm like, I'm going to start kettlebell exercises. I'm just going to put a video on there, different exercises. And just show what's what you can do with the kettlebell because that was right. always been the goal. The first week, no apps, nothing, thousand people. Second week, two thousand people. Third oh my week, gosh. five thousand people. I was like, what's Holy happening? Cow. Yeah. <laughs> and I ran out of exercises, so I had to start doing workouts. I had to start doing other things, and then that just kind of became, you know, the the focus was just doing that, you know, that 
part of the social media because I stopped doing Facebook. I stopped doing YouTube. I was like, I'm just going to go all in. So I made sure I was posting at least every day and just providing value. I think in this world of social media, everyone's so focused on what can I get? What can I do? You know, people just wanting more followers and more of this. It's like, no, I take half the followers and more engagement. I would take half the followers and get people to really buy into what I'm showing because it's the goal is to give them more value. How can you add more value in your training? For yourself, for your clients, for your gym, for your family, whoever it is. So in this aspect, it's kettlebells. But I love it. I love it. Okay. No, I love it. So number four, our mutual friend, Venus Lau, will kill me if I don't ask you this. But she wants me to ask you to I tell a joke I'll, on air. Oh, my God. Fucking Venus. <laughs> so <laughs> I have nothing. It's all context. Yeah, you know me time. So I started doing, and you were there for this, yeah. or you weren't there for that part of it. But I did stand up. That was that's been my like twenty. That's been like my bucket list goal. I want to do okay. And after I did it, and I already knew, I was like, kind of like with the gym, like, all right, this is gonna happen. Like I already know, like this is gonna continue to happen. Right. So I went up there. I was so nervous for this thing. I like you can ask me, and she was there. I was taking shots. I was just like <laughs> anything that would just take the nerves out. Yes. And as soon as I got on stage, I'm like. All right. Like, I just, I was not nervous at all. None of it was funny, or I remember even being funny. I just remember, like, I'm not going to stop. That was my only goal, was don't stop. So I left that with, like, this whole new, just, like, mindset on comedy. Okay. And as soon as I started telling people, what happens? Tell me a joke. Tell me a joke. Oh, yeah. I'm not a book of jokes. I don't have, it all works in a story. I have to, like, fill you in with the craziness of my mother and being, growing up Catholic and well then i'll take a strong rain check and we'll do a separate episode where i'm just going to carve out like five to ten minutes for you to just give us a piece and i'll just have a set ready i will i will have a set ready for you dude that would be awesome that would be awesome and props to you man like like people talk about like you know performing and talking and all that like comedy has to be one of the single hardest things to do right because you've got one job and it's a really freaking hard job. You're expected to do it in front of everybody on command. True. Oh, my God. And that time that I did it, were you there for the, for, for the night? I, w- I was there oh, up until, but then, of course, I was on Luca time. So it was time for Luca to feed himself. So we left. Dude, and you saw the lights were on, the tables were all oh, spread yeah, it was out. Serious. So I was like, oh, my God, this is like, this, it, there's it was like so a much. Club. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. But luckily, like I said, I hadn't. One more shot. Venus gave me one more shot before I went up there. So I was about three or four shots deep before okay. I went up. So I felt felt pretty good. But good. yeah, it's it, the, just like with kettlebells, there's all these nuances where you think like, oh, you go up, you tell a joke. It's like, oh, being able to read the audience, being able – I wasn't doing any of that for this one. But yeah. now since having you know hired a, a comedy coach that's helping me kind of uh, put stuff together. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I'm going to start taking a comedy class because I just – I fucking love it. I love it. It was just one of those things where you know you just – the shit that excites you and yes. scares you is yes. like, there it is. I need to do that. Yeah, I love it. Okay, last but not least, what's next for Marcus Martinez? Other than your comedy coach and this comedy skit that you're <laughs> going to give us, what else are you working on? What are you excited about? Honestly, I'm so pumped about where we're going with Kettlebell Kings with this kettlebell certification. I mean, I really want to make this the standard for kettlebell certification. So if people, you know, right now people talk about kettlebells and they talk about other organizations that have been around for a long time. And I want to kind of flip that on its head and make this the one that if you, you know, if you're a trainer and you touch a kettlebell, you've got to go to this certification. Yeah. So I've been working really hard on putting something together that was really useful, that was applicable, digestible, that was also welcoming. 
It wasn't, yeah. you know, there's there's an exclusivity to a lot of these things, not just yes. in the Kettle World, but in anything. Yep. That is, I get it. It's like a marketing, you know, trying to make it where, oh, this is tough. You don't, it's not for everybody. No, right. fuck that. I want to make this for everybody. I want to make this something that is going to be user-friendly in just about every realm. So we just got a pretty big deal with a big corporate gym. So I'll be doing a lot of workshops, traveling, Very and cool. getting those systems in place so that way this can continue to run, you know, long after I'm gone and I can have a good team underneath that will be able to continue this. So that's been the big thing. And then we're starting uh, the Living Fit. So Living.Fit is the site that we have all the uh, the workouts and the programs on. And we're starting the Living.Fit show where I'm going to be traveling and interviewing different people and, you know, and not just even in the fitness world, but just people that, you know, exemplify living a fit life. Yeah. It's mentally, spiritual, whatever it is. So that's awesome. I love talking with people. I love, you know, you know, showcasing what people have to offer. I can learn so much from everybody, which going back to young me, that's another thing I would say is you can learn something from every single person. Yes. yes. And just to be curious. I love that. There's so much out there that I don't know. And the more I learn, the more I realize, fuck, I do not know. So yeah, I'm constantly trying to, uh, you know, kind of quench that. So that's where this new show is going to be a really fun way to be able to do that and just meet a lot of cool people. And that's awesome. Have, I want to have fun. Ultimately, I just want to have fun. Yeah, we only have too. one time. I'm not going to make this so serious. I'm right. going to have fun. And I will say kettlebell Kings, the single most aesthetically pleasing kettlebell on the market. Hands down. They are a totally. beautiful bell. They just look cool. I mean, they, for, they look awesome. I'll make sure competition or standard. Oh man. I, you know, I haven't done enough competition stuff. I've handled a handful, but I don't do enough. So like I'm more familiar with standard, but I think I could get behind, especially if I got really serious with my training, probably more competition just to get used to that standard weight or that standard size. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's one of the hardest parts of the standard bell is trying to get used to, oh man, everyone feels a little bit different, you know? Everyone sits a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So competition bell in your way. All right, man. So Marcus, my guy, you've been so fun to chat with today. Where can my listeners find out more about you and everything that you have going on? So Instagram is the best way. Kettlebell exercises is where you can find kind of the hub where I, I kind of send people out to. Kettlebell Kings is who I'm partnered with. So everything that I'm doing, I've built a cert for them. I'm putting workouts for them. So that's kind of, they go tandem. Um, so Kettlebell or living.fit is the website. Kettlebell exercises is the Instagram. And that's probably the best way. I love it. We'll make sure we get all of those links in the show notes for you so people can find you easily. But Marcus, my guy, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Awesome. I appreciate the invite. This is fun. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Marcus. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's one of those guys you just love catching up with, love chatting with. We haven't known each other super long, but he's a guy that I just have a ton of respect for. I love his angle when it comes to kettlebells and how he's just got a really fresh outlook on how you can use bells and why you shouldn't get kind of just caught up in doing just those same basic lifts time and time and time again. So if you enjoyed the show, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things, depending on where you're at with the physical prep podcast. If you are not already subscribed, man, do that now. It doesn't matter. We've got it SoundCloud. We got it Stitcher. We got it iTunes. I think we're in the Google Play Store. We are all over. So if you're not already subscribed, take 10 seconds out of your day, hit the subscribe button so you get this drop fresh in your inbox every Friday. If you already subscribed, thank you. 
take two minutes, if you will, and give us a ranking, give us a review on the iTunes store. It's been a while since I've asked for this, but any kind of feedback that you have, uh, hopefully it's a five-star kind of rating. But if you enjoy the show, I would appreciate your feedback. I'd love if you could just bump us up a little bit because the more rankings, the more reviews that we get, the more people are going to get exposed to the show. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.